reading today from 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from your childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Ernie. Appreciate our deacons and their service in our church and uh, reading each week uh, the scriptures. And before we pray, I want to uh, just call our attention to pray for uh, Pastor Jeremy and Lou Ann and their families. They travel beginning today. They'll be going down to Texas. Little KJ, the little 10-year-old, has her heart procedure this Wednesday in Houston. And so we want to pray for that specifically and for uh, them being away this week. Um, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray to you as great physician, as our healer, Jehovah Rapha. Lord, we come to you and pray for your perfect healing um, to be upon Katie Joy. Lord, we pray as they travel that you'll give them safety. Lord, we pray for the doctors and the nurses and all that they will do in preparation. And then on Wednesday morning, when they do the surgery and that procedure, Lord, just guide their hands. We pray it will go um, so very smoothly in the procedure and in the recovery and as they return home this week. Um, Lord, just thank you for medicine and technology and how you use that um, to bring healing. And so we just lift up that today. Lord, we pray for the South Campus. And as Pastor Jeremy uh, begins his sermon about right now out uh, there, we pray for that campus and you to move through him and speak through him. We pray for our entire church as we um, move through this uh, time of transition. Guide us uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Several years ago, there was a little seven-year-old boy named Timothy who lived in the Philippines, and he got his first pen pal letter. Uh, he was sponsored through the Compassion International Christian Relief uh, Agency. They do a sponsorship program where uh, an adult or a youth group or a family can sponsor a child like Timothy in another country. And through their sponsorship, they're provided with medical care and food and clean water and basic uh, things like that. And then one of the things Compassion emphasizes is for the sponsor to write the child and let them know who they are and, and reach out to them and build a friendship uh, to them. And so uh, young Timothy's sponsor got his first letter from his sponsor named, uh, got his first letter from his sponsor named George. And this is what it said. Dear Timothy, I want to be your new pen pal. I'm an old man, 77 years old, but I love kids, and though we have not met, I love you already. George sent that very letter to Timothy, and Timothy got it and opened it up, and he was so excited to have this letter from his sponsor. And George didn't just stop there. He wrote him and wrote him and wrote him. He would send in his monthly sponsorship and write Timothy a letter, and he sent pictures of his dog, and he told him about where he lived and things he was doing or places he was traveling. So Timothy wrote back, and Timothy would send him little drawings that he made, and Timothy would write poems and mail those to Timothy, and he told George, his sponsor, all about his life. And they became uh, very close. It was a very special relationship between young Timothy, a seven-year-old from the Philippines, and George, as he says, an old man, 77 years old. Now, we know that's young, don't we, many of you in the room? But that's what George said. 
the funny thing, George never did sign his letters with anything except George. He just signed it George. Never did put his last name. The reason was the man's aides, the Secret Service in fact, told George Bush that he shouldn't let Timothy know who he really was. As the former uh, president, the 41st president, George H.W. Bush, it would be dangerous for little Timothy if word got out about that and people found out that little Timothy had a friendship and a connection to the President Bush. It came time later for Timothy to graduate from the Compassion Program, and so they were told, it's okay now, you can let Timothy know who his sponsor really was. And needless to say, Timothy was stunned. He had been writing all these years to a former president of the United States. Bush's aides were asked, why would you take the time, why would he take the time to write those letters and be his sponsor? Why would he, a man of such prestige, wealth, and power, do that? And Timothy answered the question for them. He said, I'll tell you why. Because George, my friend, made an impact on me. Today, we're going to look at three qualities that we should have in our own lives that will make an impact in someone else's life. And so today's message is titled, Changing Your World, One Life at a Time. And if you still have your Bibles open, or, or I'd ask you to turn back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And as we look at these scriptures, we, we see this is a letter written to another young Timothy, written by the Apostle Paul. And to give you a picture of the setting that this was written in, this is a picture of the prison that Paul was in, in Rome. Uh, it's not much, not much more than a, a hole, about 12 feet under the ground, under the crowded streets of Rome. It was a dark and smelly prison. An ancient Roman historian of the time wrote that its neglect, darkness, and stench gave it a hideous and terrifying appearance. And you see, it was the last stop for prisoners condemned to die. And that's what Paul was. He would soon die after writing 2 Timothy. And he wrote this letter really as final words to his friend Timothy. It was his farewell address, we might um, should say. This apprentice writing his, this mentor writing his apprentice. This um, friend writing his younger friend. Uh, his, this father writing his son we could say. 2 Timothy chapter, uh, chapter 1, if you turn back to that, we see Paul looked at Timothy as his son. He says, the very beginning of 2 Timothy, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child. And so this father-son relationship is the setting in which T Paul writes Timothy, and he urges him throughout this letter in spite of all that was going on around him and in his life, for Timothy to stand firm in his faith, to, to, he urged him to keep keeping on, to continue on in what he had learned. Whatever came Timothy's way, Paul said to his child, stand firm. And I would suggest to you today, in our depraved and sick world, we need men and women who will come alongside young people, and say, stand firm in your faith. Keep running the race. Keep 
holding on to the truth. If there was ever a time in our country that we needed that, I suggest to you that time is now. If there's ever been a time in this country when a generation of people need fathers and mothers to live out their faith before their sons and daughters, I suggest to you that time is now. Friend, if there has ever been a time in this country that needs the men and women of God to invest in the lives of other people, influencing other men and women, boys and girls for the glory of God and showing them what it means to be salt and light in this dying and dark world, I suggest to you that time is now. So what are three qualities that we should have in our own lives for us to do that, to impact someone else in their life? The first quality is to be a strong example in your own life. To be a strong example in your own life. John MacArthur says, strong men tend to produce other strong men. That's what Paul was to Timothy, a strong example in his own life. If you look back at verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, Turn there and look at this list of characteristics that Paul gives about all the other people around Timothy. All of the ungodly false teachers and um, he, he lists there the characteristics of lovers of money, arrogant, they were abusive and on and on. Paul says there verse 1 um, and forward in, in chapter 3, all of the characteristics that Paul uh, that Timothy could see around him. And yet in comparison, look at Paul's strong example, verses 10 through 13. He says, you, however, have followed my teaching. And that's Paul speaking about himself there. My teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Lyconium, and at Lystra which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Paul says, you followed my example. Paul's strong example. Followed there literally means to come alongside. It's the sense that Paul and Timothy were right there together, and Timothy was following what Paul did. There's seven times in one verse there he uses the word my. Paul had his example um, for Timothy, this strong example example the first one there let's just break this down a little bit the first one he says my teaching through all that Paul had been through and all that he endured in his example Timothy could see Paul's teaching and I say to you church praise God for a man of God that we have in Pastor Jeremy that we can follow his teaching week in and week out as he teaches the infallible and errant inspired word of God without hesitation or compromise. Amen. The other day, Don Mathis, a member of our church, was speaking here at a convention uh, for Kentucky Baptists, and Dr. Mathis said to that group of people about Eastwood, he said, I hope this church realizes what kind of man God has brought to Eastwood. I echo that. I say, amen. I hope we fully realize who we have here in Pastor Jeremy, he is a man of God who believes the word, preaches the word, leads by the word, and lives by the word. Church, may we never take for granted the incredible grace the Lord has shown us in this place, that God has an amazing plan to reach this community through this church for his glory under the guidance of our under-shepherd Jeremy Rogers through the power of the Holy Spirit. And may we be a people who pray for our pastor, love our pastor, support our pastor, encourage our pastor, and yes, 
follow our pastor because he is a man whose eyes are focused on Jesus. He's a man whose heart is filled with the Spirit, and he's a man whose hands are firmly gripped around the Bible as he teaches. May we not take that for granted. Timothy followed Paul's teaching, and second, what's it say? He followed Paul's conduct. Literally there, the Greek means pattern of behavior or lifestyle. We could say it's the way that we live our lives. Timothy followed Paul's teaching and his conduct. And they match up right there. The reason of that is so important. Paul's conduct matched his teaching. We might say his walk matched his talk. What Paul did, what he said and what he did and what he did and what he said, it was the one and the same. Paul's conduct was just like his teaching. And can I say to our mothers in the room on this special day, mothers and fathers and grandparents, can I say to you with all gentleness, your walk must match your talk. If there is an opportunity to make an impact on your young person, your walk must match your talk. And we're going to talk about that more in a minute. So we see Timothy followed Paul's teaching. He followed his conduct. And then the next four things I'm going to call his personal qualities. Timothy followed, it says in verse 10, his aim in life, his faith, his patience, and um, his love. His aim in life. I believe that could be summed up in Acts 20, 24. We talk at graduation time. You know, that was yesterday for Western or Friday uh, coming up for our high school students, we talk a lot about life verse. If there is a life verse to be lived, I suggest this is a good one, Acts 20, 24. I believe it was Paul's life verse. It was his aim in life. It says, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The Christian Standard Bible says it a little bit clearer. My purpose, Paul said, is to finish my course to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Timothy followed after Paul's aim in life. Second personal quality there, he followed after Paul's faith. Faith here refers to faithfulness. It's the sense that um, his aim in life, he was faithful to that. He followed his purpose and his calling. The third personal quality. Uh, here we see um, Paul uses the word patience look at verse 11 we've not read this yet it says my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Lyconium and at Lystra which persecutions I endured yet from them all the Lord rescued me so back when Paul says Timothy followed my patience he's talking about the ability to endure it's the sense that all that Tim all that Paul went through Timothy um, could see how Paul dealt with this, dealt with that, and his patience he had, yes, for his circumstances, but also for the people around him. It's interesting, um, Timothy, or Paul lists there, Lystra. Do you know that's Timothy's hometown? And we read about Paul's persecution in Lystra in Acts 14. Mark that on your notes, and I invite you to go back and read what happened to Paul in Acts 14. But I'll tell you briefly, Paul healed a man, and then the people of Lystra stoned him, dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead, it says. And scholars say Timothy probably first saw Paul at that very moment. 
That was Timothy's hometown, and he probably saw this man he'd heard of named Paul and what happened to him. And he saw how Paul reacted to the people and to the problem. He saw how Paul reacted to the persecution and all that was happening to him. Timothy saw that Paul, um, that to Paul it made him bitter and hateful and fearful. No. Timothy saw that it made Paul patient. And what's the fourth quality? It gave him even more love for his persecutors. Paul had patience and love. He had an aim in life. He had faith. No matter what happened to Paul, Paul was 100% God. What an example for him and for us. If you want to make an impact in someone else's life, be a strong example. Secondly, have a strong desire to share your faith. Have a strong desire to share your faith. Let's reread verses 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul says the sacred writings there. Some translations say the sacred scriptures. Um, that's the word of God. Paul was saying to Timothy, he knew how from childhood you have been acquainted with the word of God. And the word childhood there in the Greek, it literally means from infancy. Is that as a baby even, Timothy's, uh, Timothy had, a, had loved ones that shared with him the sacred writings. And I'm thankful for our church. The priority, the first place a child should hear about God is in the home. But praise God that we have a church where from the nursery, from the preschool, from the children's department, through the student department, they are taught the word of God. That is what we are to do, is to share our faith with young people. In those foundational years, Timothy's family shared their faith. We cannot overemphasize the influence of a godly parent on a child and how that affects them for the rest of their lives. And do you know who it was for Timothy? The Bible tells us, did you know that? It's a lady named Lois. It's a lady named Eunice. Turn back to the first of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. What a great verse for Mother's Day. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 says this. Paul said to Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. We basically know nothing about Lois and Eunice. We do know that Timothy's dad was not a believer, but that godly grandmother Lois and that godly, grand, that godly mother Eunice placed in Timothy that spiritual bedrock that inspired Timothy for the rest of his life and that he then later saw in the Apostle Paul, they laid into Timothy's heart and life their faith. I'm thankful for my mom and our Mimi and our family, the spiritual faith and spiritual foundation she has given our family. And maybe for you, you've been blessed with a godly mother or a godly grandmother. Billy Graham once said, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren 
It's not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and a legacy of faith. Psalm 71, 18 says, Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. So moms, dads, grandmoms, granddads, whatever you're called, Mimi, Papa, Granny, Grant, can I say something to you? I have officiated at almost 200 funerals over the course of 20 plus, ministry, 20 plus years of ministry. I met with the Law family yesterday. Met with them and we talked about Carol's legacy. The impact she had in this church and in her family for the kingdom of God. When I meet with families and we talk about their loved one and we plan their service, not one time in all of those situations has the family ever come to me and told me about the material things that they were left. Never. What they say to me falls in one or more of three things. They tell me about the time that was spent together. They tell me about the love they felt from their loved one. And they tell me about the way their loved one lived their lives. The things they believed in and the legacy of faith that was passed on to them. Everything that's said falls into those three things. Mom and dad, if you want to make an impact on your, on your child's life for now and for eternity, be a strong example, have a strong desire to share your faith, and the last one, leave a strong legacy based on the Bible. I love this. Look at the biblical legacy given to Timothy. Verse 14. What did he say again there? Paul said, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Paul said, continue in. It could be translated, remain in, stay put in. Paul was saying, continue in what you have learned, knowing from whom you had learned it. So let's break that down a little bit. From whom did he learn it? Well, we know now it was Lois and Eunice, and Paul as well. Those were his teachers. Lois and Eunice certainly followed the Old Testament instruction in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, that says this. It said to parents, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The strongest way to impact a child, a roommate, a family member, your coworker, your neighborhood, to leave a legacy when you're long gone from that job, that neighborhood, or you're gone from this earth, the best way is to leave a legacy based on the Bible. Now let's look here, verses 15 and 16. There's four brief descriptions of the Bible right here that we're going to look at. First one we just spoke about a moment ago, the sacred writings. He says there in verse 15, 
It's the only time that that phrase is used to describe the Bible in all of Scripture, the sacred writings. It could be translated the holy writings. It's the sense that um, the Word of God is holy. It's set apart for holy purposes. And historians tell us that Greek-speaking Jews called the Old Testament the sacred writings. So that's the first description we see there. They're holy. Second one, verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God, it says, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All Scripture is breathed out by God. The word Scripture there, the Greek word is, is this, graphe, graphe. The Greek word there translated scripture. It's the idea, and it's what we get our word graphics or graphs. It's the idea that the Bible is written out. It's verbally inspired, word for word. That's the word scripture. So that's the second description we see here. The next description is five words in one. Is breathed out by God. Five words for us in English, one word in the Greek. And I'm going to pronounce it. And we're not going to tell Jeremy whether I pronounce it correctly or not. But this is the Greek word that's translated, is breathed out by God. It's the word theosnustos. Theosnustos. Let's say it together. Theosnustos. We're not going to tell Jeremy whether that we said it right or not. But that's the word in Greek that is translated, is breathed out by God. Theos, it's the word that we get our word, theology. So God, things of God, theos, neustos, it's spelled P-N-A-U like pneumonia. It's speaking of breath. It's God breathed. All scripture is breathed out by God. It means that every word in the Bible comes from the divine breath of God. It means that God took all these human authors and divinely breathed upon them so that what they wrote down was exactly what God wanted to be written down. Our scripture is breathed out by God. And then the, simply the word all. All scripture. The word all means the whole and every part of the whole. The Bible is supernaturally inspired in every part and in every way. It is true and complete, inspired, infallible, and inerrant from Genesis to Revelation. And I like how the gospel singer, comedian Mark Lowry says he even believes the the maps are inspired, and I'll agree with him there. The Bible is the inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. Would you just lift up your Bible if you have that with you? If you see one in the pew in front of you, just take that and lift it up in the air. That's the Bible, the word of God. Now take it and look at it a little bit more closely. Does yours have a leather cover? Maybe so. Maybe it's more like paper. Inside, you probably have the maps, or maybe there's some maps in there or other notes. The bottom of a lot of study Bibles, there's the commentary and the notes. We see all that, but do we really understand what we hold in our hands? These are the very words of God written for us. The God of the universe has breathed out a book for us to read. It's a letter written to us for us to read the very mind of God revealed in it. The great pastor R.G. Lee said this about the Bible. The Bible is a book beyond all books. 
As a river is above and beyond all streams, as the sun is above and beyond a candle's brightness, as wings of an eagle are above and beyond the wings of a sparrow, it is supernatural in origin, eternal in duration, inexpressible in value, immeasurable in influence. It's infinite in scope, divine in authorship, human in penmanship, regenerative in power, infallible in authority, universal in interest, personal in application, and inspired in totality. He said the Bible is the book that has walked more paths, traveled more highways, knocked at more doors, and spoken to more people in their mother tongue than any other book this world has ever known or will ever know. Mother, father, man, woman, brother, sister, student, friend, you want to impact someone else's life, leave a strong legacy based on the Bible. If you do that, you will change the world one life at a time. We live in tough days. A lot of people, they don't know their way. Maybe for you, it's a grandchild, an adult son. Maybe it's a girl you're in class with. Maybe it's a roommate. There are people all around us who have lost their way. I read a story about a young man. He was at a church camp out in the woods. It was night and it was dark. It was a rustic camp and they were up in the chapel area and having their church services. And when they came out, it was dark. The young man couldn't find his way. Clouds had come over. Even the moonlight was, was hidden. He stumbled down the path, was trying to get down to reach his cabin. He had to stop. He thought, I, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Just then, another young man came up. He saw his friend and he said, wait a minute. He picked up a thing of pine branches like this and he tore off some. And The friend said, here, here's what you should do. He took out matches from the campfire and he lit it on fire. And the young man took it in his hand and his friend said, take that, it'll get you home. The young man said, well, but wait, what if it starts to, what if the wind starts to blow and it, it blows out the light? His friend said, don't you worry, it's going to get you home. The young man said, wait, what if it starts to rain and, and the water gets on there and it, it, it drowns out the light? His friend said, don't worry, that will get you home. The young man said, wait, what if somebody else comes by and they snuff it out? His friend said, don't you worry. What you've got in your hand, that's going to see you home. You know, sometimes we live in these dark days and we think the winds of unbelief are going to come through and they're going to blow out the light. Sometimes we think the storms of our culture are going to rain down and drown out the light. 
Sometimes we think the voices in our world that are so loud, they're going to come and they're going to snuff out the light. But friend, in this dark, dark world, hold tightly to God's word and it will see you home. You want to make an impact in someone else's life? Be a strong example to them. Have a strong desire to share your faith and leave a strong legacy based on the Bible.